Hey there, and welcome to another Change Catalyst Conversation, where we talk about anything and everything that has to do with building cohesive, vision-driven teams that make sustainable change happen, even when change seems impossible. I'm Casey Watts, Impact Coach and Consultant, and the host of this show. What I know from experience is that making change happen can be overwhelming if you don't have cohesive vision-driven teams. No one has a collective understanding of why change should happen or what change to begin first. You notice false starts because a solid action plan hasn't been formed or crafted, where you're met with resistance because you don't know how to motivate such complex people. And that leads to schools remaining in a cycle of stagnancy, experiencing the same problems and ineffectively repeating the same initiatives or programs again and again. And that leads to low morale, burnout, high turnover, and who suffers most? It's our students. But there is a better, more effective way to bring about change in your school that does not deplete the energy of your people. You need a catalyst to help you get a solid start. My goal is to make cohesive, vision-driven school teams a possibility. I help school leaders zoom out to cast vision and then zoom back in to script the critical moves that help teams collectively go farther, faster and better, even when change seems impossible. Here's what I want to know from you. What is the change that you know needs to happen in your school? What are you hesitant to get rolled out to teams? What exists only in your mind that you are absolutely certain would benefit your school, but you're just not sure how to get started? Right now, I want you to take a sticky note or put a note on your phone or maybe in the comments, make a note that says change catalyst. This is your reminder to email or message me about your future endeavors and your current reality because I would love to encourage you as a change catalyst in your school. Okay, now that you are primed for thinking about cohesive, vision-driven teams that make change happen. Let's jump into this week's Change Catalyst Conversation. Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to our Change Catalyst Conversation. And I will have to tell you that in previous weeks, I've called it a collaboration conversation. And I have adjusted that just a little bit because truly, what we're doing is coming around each other to make change happen and having conversations that help you to also go back into your schools and make change happen. Okay, I've got a wonderful group of ladies with us today, and I think one of them is trying to jump on, um, and so I'll pull her up on screen when she gets here. But I've got a group of a variety of roles here. We have everything from, hey, Abena. Hey. We have everything from a classroom teacher all the way to 
um, principals and consultants. So we've kind of got it all here, a representation of all. And today our conversation is all about how to bridge the gap between instructional leadership and teachers, because we know that that gap does exist. And we're going to talk more about what that looks like and how to overcome it as we move into today's episode. But I want to take a moment and allow these ladies to introduce themselves and tell us about who you are, where you are, what your role is, and even what your aspirations are. Okay, so Jules, we're going to start with you. All right. Thank you, Casey. My name is Jules Brooks, and I am currently a classroom teacher in my 11th year of teaching. I currently teach kindergarten at a uh, charter school in Nacogdoches, Texas. And I hope to make an impact with um, my colleagues as well as future teachers. And I hope to be an instructional coach soon. Awesome. Amy, welcome. Hi, Casey. My name is Amy Mason, and I am currently an educational consultant. I founded Aim to Educate to work with educators across the country who are really needing support in a lot of different areas, whether it be social emotional learning and how to kind of kick that off and get that going in your schools, or even just coaching up some of the in new teachers that are coming into schools. As we all have seen, there's a lot of turnover of people coming in and out as well as new instructional leaders that don't have a lot of experience and maybe need someone to come alongside them and help with ways to best support the mission and vision of their school. So I actually was a K through eighth grade principal most recently and uh, actually worked in that environment for seven years. It was a K-8 Title I school. And then uh, two years prior to that was principal of a affluent elementary school here in Huntsville, Alabama. And then, of course, um, have the teacher hat that you always wear. Um, and that's something that we should touch on today. But I was a classroom teacher for nine years before um, going into administration for 13. So I'm looking forward to this conversation with Casey and the group today. Yeah, awesome. Joyce? Hi, everyone. I am really excited to be here, for one. But I'm Joyce Conley. I, um, I'm down in Florida. So I'm uh, an hour ahead of the game, and it was really interesting waking up. I was like, oh, I have one more hour to get, get ready. So that was nice. Um, okay, so I am currently an assistant principal. I have been in education for over 13 years. So I taught at the elementary level, and then I went into being an ESC resource teacher, instructional coach for a couple of years because I knew I needed just some more experience. I really did before I moved into my administration career. So I have been an assistant principal for six years now. So this this is your six. It has been a, a wonderful time. These six years, I've learned. I've, I've learned so much. I've grown so much. And this year, I have to say, I was um, a finalist for AP of the Year in my district. So I was really excited about that. And it just made me realize how much I, my aspirations, like how much I want to impact the new leader. Because I struggled as a new assistant principal. I didn't feel like I had the support. I was trying to balance being a single mom and uh, a middle, having a 
middle schooler being at home by herself. So I realized that those first years were really, really, really important for me, my mental health and my child's mental health. And yeah. so I said, how can I impact the new leader? Those who want to get into the position and then those who are in it and struggling because you will be on the struggle bus, right? And mm -hmm. so I created Alve Pro. Uh, it's a network for assistant principals. We have almost 5,000 assistant principals that we just share. We, we, I do some um, PD, some collaboration talks, and now I'm branching into consulting. So I have Alve Pro Consulting where I am there to support the new leader in the three R's of relationships, response, so that communication and resilience, because we got to get through it, right? So yes, I love I it. Thanks, Joyce. Okay, hey, Abena. Hey, okay, so I am very far away and that's why I was late because I had my hours wrong. I thought I had another hour. Did not that's realize what I, I figured, yeah. Uh, did not realize it was 3.40 that I was supposed to be in here. It, I've been out and about all day with my uh, kids, running them to different events and activities. I live in Denmark and I'm the middle school principal for a um, middle years program uh, for the IB, uh, an international school here. Our school is extremely diverse um, and that creates lots of interesting challenges and opportunities for us. Uh, a challenge, one big challenge that I'm working with this week has had my head, it has done my head in. So yes, resilience is something that we have to think about in our roles all the time. Uh, this is my first year as a principal. And uh, prior to this, I was a curriculum coordinator for four years. Prior to that, a dean of students for four years. And um, before that, teaching special education, English literature, and um, uh, individuals and societies, which is basically a social studies course that is integrated with um, many different topics. Um, but yeah, that's me. I've been in education for 23 years. and. It hasn't stopped being challenging. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. it probably won't ever stop being challenging, which is why we are all gathered here together this morning <laughs> to talk about the challenges and how we can overcome them, knowing even still that those challenges will still exist. But if we can make it better for ourselves, then we in turn can try to help others to make it better as well. Um, and just create that ripple effect. So I am like just so excited that I have all of you here because I admire each of you so much and I'm inspired by each of you in, in lots of different ways. And I'm really interested to hear the nuggets of gold that you're going to share from that amazing brain of yours about this topic, which is bridging the gap between instructional leaders and teachers. So I want to tell you, um, I was visiting with a friend the other day and he actually teaches at the university level and he's not in education, like he is in education because he's a university professor, but he is in the department of kinesiology. And when we were visiting, we were just talking back and forth. How are things going? And he said, well, you know, I mean, just all of these all of these people who don't haven't been in the classroom for 20 years and they don't know what it's really like making all of the decisions for us. So that's how it's going. And it was so funny because someone else who was nearby was asking me, so what is it that you do, Casey? And I said, well, 
I'm an instructional specialist and I'm one of the people that tells people like Todd, who was my friend, all the things that we expect them to do in classrooms. So I'm the kind of person that he really gets frustrated with. And we kind of laughed about it. And he was like, no way. There, I know that you haven't lost sight of what it's like to be in the classroom. But truly, I tell you, I have been in both parties. So I have been the teacher who has said, well, they've just been out of the classroom for so long, they don't remember what it's like. And I also have been on the other side of it as an instructional leader, seeing a different perspective and trying to make changes so that our organization is moving forward. And I have truly lost sight sometimes of what it's like in the classroom. So I want to ask you guys and just feel free to jump in here. What does it mean to you to bridge the gap between instructional leaders and teachers? Like speak to what that says to you. And if you're here in the comment or if you're here live with us, please, please, please put in the comments and let us know that you're here. Let us know what your role is and what you notice about the gap that we notice between instructional leaders and teachers. Okay. Who wants to take the floor on this one? Can I start? Yeah. I've got a, I've got a burning answer to this one, but um, (laughs) you know, in my experience as an instructional leader, you have to go about collaborating and creating opportunities for shared decision-making. No one wants to feel like things are being done to them. And so, you know, opening up that dialogue before even difficult conversations have to happen, making people feel that their, their thoughts are valued and that their perspective is valued and, you know, what they bring to the table. I think that is like first and foremost, and that would happen as a new instructional leader that should happen day one when you walk in and you get to know the people that you're working with. Um, and then everything that you're doing is sort of like building that capacity as time goes on. So once you have built trust with the people you're working with, helping them to understand, you know, everybody knows that all of us have demands, whether it be, you know, nationally or at your state level or internationally. Um, Abana, you can probably speak to that too, but like there are always going to be things that are musts that have to happen and that are being required by even people above a school administrative level. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's not about those things being done to you, but it's how you approach them and how you facilitate an opportunity as a team to come together and figure out how you're going to kind of bite off those small pieces of what it is that you need to accomplish as a group. Yeah. No, I I, I definitely want to jump into what Amy is saying, because um, I think it's a practice in empathy. This the whole question of bridging gaps. It's all about standing in somebody else's shoes. And of course, what happens when you're a leader, once you're put into a leader seat, there is that sense. The first sense I think people naturally get is I need to show that I know these things. I need to show that I have the answers. I need to show that I can direct this train. But what people actually need in the beginning with at least what I'm experiencing, I can't say what everyone needs, but what what I'm experiencing is that what people need from me or need from the leaders that come to them is understanding to be seen, that feeling like, oh, you are here for me. 
And of course, as an instructional leader or as any leader, you're there for the purpose of taking care of the students. That's the main thing. But the teachers also need to know you're there for me. Um, I'm also valuable to you. You're not here to wreck shop or, you know, to, to, to downsize or get rid of the, the messy teacher. You're here to help me yeah. be a better version of me. So um, I, th I think that's the beginning of bridging the gap is to meet the teachers with empathy. Yeah. Can I add to that? Please. Okay. So that was so good. And I have, a, just so you know, I have a four-year-old who's running around here. So I was trying to chime in, but then... I was literally going like this. <laughs> All good. All right. So that's so good, right? And one of the things like was an aha moment for me. I just recently moved schools in January. So I went from one school to another mid-year. But before I left that school, I said, you know what? Um, one of my goals for the year was uh, basically building trust of faculty. I wanted to say, what can I do to have the faculty to understand that their voices matter, right? So I created some committees at the beginning of the year, but then I said, you know what? I wanna do a survey. Like I want to know why I keep hearing, oh, they don't understand or, oh, we need more resources. Oh, um, we don't know what's going on. I'm like, what does that even mean? So I put out a climate survey and they filled out the survey. There were some like, you know, multiple choice, but then there was like fill in the gaps. But then I said, all right, this is funny because it clearly shows that there is a gap between what we're trying to project and share and what they're receiving because perception is everything, right? So I said, all right, let's get together and let's meet with each team and let's go over the survey because that the, my word is transparency. If we can be transparent as much as possible, then we're going to get that by and we're going to bridge that gap, right? Yeah. So I said, look, here are the results. These are what your people said. Tell me, what does this mean? Even if you didn't say it, like you heard something, like your ears to the ground. What do you know about this statement right here? And a lot of the feedback was, we, they feel like the administrators, because I'm an administrator, so I'm speaking from that lens, the administrators are making decisions, right, that we can control. And we're not communicating those decisions. Yep. So they asked for, hey, look, if something comes down from the things like from the top, because there's the top and there's the top and there's the top top. So there's something that comes down to us that we cannot control. Can you just tell us can you just yeah. say, look, that's out of Joyce's hands. That's out of, you know, the principal's hands. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's easy. They said, then we will feel like we're in this together. And I said, that's a no brainer. Like that's right. an easy fix. Yeah. So look, if something has to be done, look, this is something we got to do guys. Now, how are we going to do it? Just having that open dialogue is super important. Then when I moved to my new school, I said, just like that, Abna, um, First thing I said was, I am here to help you to be the best version of you. So yeah. if I give you feedback, just know it's out of love. And it's so that you can see that you're doing a great job. However, we can do even better because I'm one of those, like, we're here, right here. Yeah. Everybody's here. We all have room to grow. There's nobody mm -hmm. who's perfect. I can grow. You can grow. And I'm here to help you do that. So that's what's going to take. Yes. Yes. So, um. There were several buzzwords that I was like, oh my gosh, these are my people. <laughs> I mean, value, like, yes, from a teacher's perspective, we want to feel valued. Um, and then you said trust and empathy. Empathy is so big. 
Um, and then transparency. So those are all things that I, as a person, as my own person desire and feel like I convey. Um, I also like clear expectations. Um, and then I was thinking communication, but not a false communication. Like, don't send me a blanket email and think that that's communicating to right. me, you know? And so like true communication, like you said, Joyce, like that, that dialogue. Um, and Amy, you said like um, inviting us into those decisions or explaining why a decision was made that is out of your control. Like that immediately would allow teachers, in my opinion, to be able to trust you. And then also, I think the trust needs to come both ways. Yep. Um, and I think teachers need to feel like, yes, I can trust you to help me, but I also need you to trust me to do what you've hired me to do. And so absolutely, um, those are just some buzzwords that, yeah, this is, um, this is what we look for, what I look for. And and what I hope to see um, happens in schools everywhere. Yeah. And I want to add to that. So I, so much of what you guys, I'm writing, I'm writing things down. I'm taking notes on everything that you guys are saying, because it's just, I'm truly, if you are here today, please put in the comments one buzzword or nugget of gold that you have heard, because I'm hearing so much like trust, capacity, um, what people need, keeping the main thing, the main thing, but then coming around the main thing with transparency, because here's what I believe we can say. And Amy, you talked about that teacher hat earlier. Like we always have our teacher hat. And while we know that that has to be true, when you leave the classroom, you do lose a little bit of understanding of what it is like. Because your, your brain is spent thinking about the bigger picture. So it's inevitable, like you are going to lose a little bit of insight and understanding and empathy for what it's like to be a classroom teacher on a day-to-day -day basis. However, that's why bringing that transparency to the table is so incredibly important. Because not only do we want to be transparent with them, we want them to be transparent with us so that we can then meet their needs. So it's like this constant cycle. And at any point, there can be a rock thrown in that cycle, throwing us out all of these different directions. Um, and it's really hard to get back into the cycle that we need. The trust cycle. That's a great word. I'm going to write that down. Trust cycle. Trust cycle. I like we're going to, we're going to investigate that more. My invent, my inventor's hat's coming out. Like there that. you go. Innovation. <laughs> But and you, you know, know too, true to that, like about teaching there, it's completely different now because we had a pandemic. And oh, yeah, so I hear that all the time. It's like if you didn't I, or be like, I taught through the pandemic, so I understand. <sighs> and so it's like, yeah. I can't even speak to that because I didn't teach through the pandemic. Yeah. I was an administrator and that clearly that's a whole yeah. different thing. It's just different. But that's yeah. another thing you hear often now. It's I was a teacher during the pandemic and you will never understand that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But you know something, um, one of the, the things that I think we don't do enough as administrators is talk about the responsibility to speak for all teachers. Because what happens, and I would say this happens in PLCs or happens in um, whole team meetings, 
that the loudest voices carry the voice of the people, but often that's not the voice of all the teachers. Often the voiceless um, are watching the people with the voice and they're like, well, they're listening to the people with the voice. Where am I in this picture? And I think it's one of our responsibilities as um, administrators to help teachers understand, it's not that I've lost sight of being in the classroom per se, but now I see more classrooms. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. And so I see how other people do it. I see how other people manage their time. I see how other people manage their classrooms. I see how other people plan for their learn for learning. Yeah. I see how other people manage data. And I see how other people collaborate. So I know that what you think is impossible and what maybe I thought was impossible when I was in my classroom, I see that it's possible because I see somebody else's classroom. So being able to open everyone's eyes by helping the quieter teachers um, to have a voice, to find their voice in the storm of school life, I think will also support that bridging of gaps of the gap. Abin, I want to piggyback on that because something that you and Joyce both said, um, you know, those opportunities, Joyce touched on committees and having like smaller groups. And I think when you're talking about those loud voices and Jules talking about making sure that it's two-way communication, I think that's the caution to having whole group conversations with your whole staff all the time, because you do have those really loud voices that sort of, um, Sometimes they're not even the most positive of the people in the group. They kind of bring the morale down. And so the more that you can facilitate opportunities to have conversations in smaller group settings, whether it's grade level teams and PLCs or um, maybe focus groups around a specific committee topic or area of, of focus that they're working on collaboratively, I think it really helps to guide those conversations in a more productive and positive way than having the, the loud voice be the person that's the only person being heard. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to put a plug right here because I've heard PLCs and I've heard transparency and like having those individual and small group conversations. Um, next Sunday, my live session is all about, it's titled PLC, Just Say No. And I thought about titling it, Just Say No to PLC. So you're going to have to come next Sunday to hear what I have to say about that. But following that live, I am doing a free sharecast called PLC Reset. And one of the things we're going to talk about are listening tours and feedback meetings. You can go ahead and find out more about that at uh, bit.ly slash PLC Reset and find out how to get in on that sharecast. Okay, so I want to pull up a couple of things on the screen. First of all, I think you guys will love this comment. What would you say to teachers who do not have such understanding and amazing leaders as all of you? Jules, could you speak to this? What would you say to that teacher? Yeah. Um, so I've, <clears throat> I've had several different leaders. I think I've had five different principals um, in three different schools. And so um, it's quite a, quite a lot. Um, I would say that... Um, you can still, first of all, you can still have a positive outlook. You can still make an impact. Um, even if you don't have teachers that you perceive as amazing um, and understanding. And I think it takes a lot of courage. You may have to be the one to initiate some 
tough conversations, you may have to be the one um, that instead of getting on the gossip train, you go straight to your leader and and really be honest with them about um, why they're, you know, why there are struggles. Now, I say this, it is so difficult to do as a teacher yeah. if you feel like there is not trust or value or appreciation in what you do. I know that in a, you know, in a deep way. Um, so it does take courage. However, um, I think that one of the reasons everybody's like, oh, there's just miscommunication. I think there's more lack of communication than mis miscommunication a lot of times. And I think that you know, just to take some ownership, it can be due to the teachers um, sometimes just feeling stuck or they don't understand me. They're not going to change anything. Or maybe you've had that tough conversation and you haven't had change immediately, but that's where your empathy needs to come in too and say, okay, maybe they did hear me. Maybe they are, um, you know, managing so many other things that it may take a follow-up conversation. It may take two or three follow-up conversations. But I would say to that teacher, first of all, don't give up. Second of all, have courage um, and be honest, but kind. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then also like put your own empathy hat on and your own understanding hat on um, because our leaders do have a lot more to juggle than we can see from inside our classrooms. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So that leads so perfectly, Jules, into this comment. Hey, Teresa, I'm so glad you're here in the comments. Um, so she is an instructional coach. Abin and I both know Teresa because we're all part of this uh, group called Breakthrough Circle with Allison Peterson. But she says, I spend a good amount of time in the classroom. And what I see is that administration is so overwhelmed that they aren't building slash keeping relationships with teachers. They aren't listening, collaborating, or supporting not because they don't want to, but administrators need support as well with the challenges they are facing. What can you guys say about this? Can I just say thank you <laughs> for that comment? Because I think um, I, having taught for 20 22 years, because this is the first year in my career where I haven't taught. As dean of students, I had half a teaching schedule. As cu curriculum coordinator, I had a half a teaching schedule. This is my first year not teaching. And I am dealing with so much more at work than I've ever, ever had to deal with before. It is so intense. And every day, all I think about is I didn't spend enough time in classrooms. I didn't spend enough time with my teachers. I didn't spend enough time building trust. And I know that that's the thing that's going to keep my work life happy, mm -hmm. but it's the last thing that I seem to be able to make time for. I, I'm, it's a conscious goal of mine. Um, I'm actively working on that. It's actually written in my goals to build relationships. It's the thing that I do focus on but it's also the thing that is every single day threatened in that school building because there's so much to work on. So I, I what 
has helped me as a leader is teachers who are willing to just open my door. They just come. Yeah. They're not asking permission to come and talk to me. They're just literally like, hey, Abena, mm -hmm. I need you now. Or, hey, I need, uh, here, I'm sending you your to-do list to remind you that you're speaking on Monday for da-da-da-da-da. I know I sent you an email, but let me put it in your hand. Um, or, Abena, come and sit and have lunch with me. I will never say no. Yeah. Um, and I can always say if the head of school is, in, is asking me for a meeting, sorry, my teachers need me. I need to help them out. I can say no because they say it. Uh, but if they don't say it and they're waiting for me to show that I care, it's yeah. not that I don't care. It's I literally don't have time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I want to add to that because that was fantastic. And I want to say thank you so much, Teresa, as well for the rec recognizing. Right. Because I feel like that's so lost. And I will see people say and I, I hate to say this out loud, but like understand where I'm coming from, that we are there to be at service of the teachers. I completely agree with that, right? I completely agree with that, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're supposed to do because we have all the things that we manage. Yeah. However, it is a two-way street. Yep. You cannot expect me to understand where you're coming from if you can't understand where I'm coming from. It has mm -hmm. to be seeking to understand on both ends because there's only one a principle a lot of times there's only one assistant principal. I hope that they are doing well together and being able to build that relationship to foster, you know, a, a tight leadership team. It's not always like that, right? Then we're talking about the last question where if you don't have an administrator that's understanding, what do you do? You are the person that just has to try to seek to understand. Like asking questions I don't, I don't, I don't care if anybody asks me any question. There's no dumb question. My dad told me that as a kid, there's no dumb yeah. question. Ask questions. If you see I'm overwhelmed and I may have responded a certain way, ask me if I'm okay. I'm yeah. going to ask you, you want me to ask you if you're okay? Ask me if I'm okay. You want me to know things about your family? Ask me about mine. Like it is, it has to be a ongoing and it's ongoing. It's not the beginning of the year. It's every single day. We are caring about one another and it's just care. I care about you, you care about me, and you know I have this to do, I know you've got that to do, I'm going to be there to support you. Yeah, you can't do, we can't do each other's jobs, right? We can't, that's just not reality. Right. But we can understand and support one another. And that is, oh my gosh, that's key. But I can't, I, I just, it's hard for me to say like, oh, you are there to do all of everything for the teachers. Yeah, okay, I get that. Yeah, I'm responsible for making sure that the culture and the climate and people feel good. Yeah. Who's making me feel good? Yeah. <laughs> Who's doing that? Because there's like, I, I need that too. There's 57 of you. There's one of me and a, a simple hello. Good morning is it makes my day. Yeah. It makes my day. The little things. Anyway. Sorry. That is so powerful what you all are saying. And I think the other piece of that is that let's take job titles away and realize that everybody needs to be a leader in whatever capacity you're serving in. And, you know, I did not become an instructional leader without having first been a teacher leader in my classroom and with my right. colleagues and doing the things like Joyce is talking about, truly having empathy and care for your colleagues and the people you're working with. But the other piece of encouragement that I wanted to offer with that last question is 
don't forget as principals that you need to have a network of your own people as well. And yes. it may not be your admin team. I've worked on admin teams that are not always super solid. And, you know, when you're facing a challenge, you need to have other instructional leaders and other principals in other schools that you can reach out to. And yes, there's many professional organizations that you can do that with. You can find those things online. I mean, really, that's how Casey and I got connected with one another is you have to seek out those leaders that you find. And, and it doesn't take a lot of work on your part. Like we just kind of gravitate toward each other, toward each other. It's like magnets, you know, leaders yeah. gravitate toward leaders. So yeah. um, that's my encouragement. Yeah, yeah. I um man, this is so good. And it's got me thinking so much, but I will say like, I started to notice um, in one teacher and leadership relationship I was in that was difficult um, in, in the past, one of the things that I saw made the biggest change was when I started putting myself where I could talk to that, that leader. And um, in the car line, I just was like, okay, you know, I've got my kids in my class and they're good. But as it started to dwindle down, I would just go and talk to that leader um, and starting to build that relationship there and, you know, would ask her, like, how was your day? She'd start telling me about meetings, you know, and it it started to peel away the surface level. Like, how are you? Good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, and like she started telling me like things that she actually was working on or, you know, all of these um, things coming down from TEA or the, you know, the university and things like that. So, um, you know, I think for both of those comments for the teacher, like go and, and, um, and be that for that, for that yeah. leader, um, yeah. you know, and for the leader, uh, the instructional comment. Um, yeah, like building relationships, but that doesn't have to mean having a two hour conversation with every one of your teachers. Like I had one leader that literally she would pop her head in, smile at me, give me a thumbs up and then, you know, go yeah. on to the next one. And piece by piece, it was like, okay, she's trying to show me that she's here and she cares and she sees me. And so right. um, when I was thinking about, you know, bridging that gap, like I wrote the words responsibility of both in the relationship or partnership. Like there's yep. a responsibility for both of you. Like I can't just expect my husband to always be the one pursuing me. I have to pursue him as well. Um, and so he feels loved because it's not just about me. And I would say the same for any partnership or professional relationship that you have. It's, it's both ways. Yeah. Being visible is what Teresa said. And isn't that so true? Isn't that so true? Like without even a word, be visible. I think it's interesting that um, often teachers don't realize the extent of the power that they have inside yeah. of a school building because at the end of the day, schools are a very weird institution. Yeah. Um, they're nearly like family in the sense that the way things happen in a school from how we protect each other and have each other's back and, you know, fill in the gaps for people. It almost functions like home. And so it, it's a very dynamic space, but it's also very familial uh, space. And the teachers have to realize, I think, that there's so much power in that because 
they're the core family. They're the group that is with each other and they have the reunions and the outings and the, the get togethers and everybody wants to be a part of a social situation. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants community. Yeah. And there's so much leverage that teachers have um, having that strong community that just that hello, I when you were talking Jules, it made me think about a situation where I had such a hard day. There was there were a couple of weeks ago, I was just dealing with a huge student issue. Many students were involved. I was like on it all day long. And I was walking through the hall and a teacher who almost never speaks to me, she was eating cookies. And she was like, here you go, you need this today. <laughs> Honestly, it's like she handed me a hundred dollars. It was so important that I got that one little cookie from that person. Yeah. And uh, she didn't realize how powerful that was for me. So I had to let her know <laughs> I needed that in that very moment uh, to know that somebody was seeing what I was going through that day. Yeah. Uh, so I think you're right that it needs to be mutual. Uh, we can't just expect the, the leader to be the one building relationships. Yeah. You know what I'm seeing that as actually is that's culture isn't mm -hmm. it? And, you know, I think about your students and they're all observing these interactions between adults. And how powerful is that for them to see healthy interactions between teachers and administrators? Yeah. And um, because they're picking up on that and, and we think they don't know, but they know just like they know lots of other things that they pick up on. And so, you know, that that's the healthy relationship model that you want to create where there's that mutual respect there and then the students end up following suit right yeah yep 100 percent. so we're gonna start wrap i don't want to wrap up this conversation i mean literally i feel like look let's just keep going all day we're here all day people this is what you're doing on your saturday just I love so it. you know um, but one of the things, one of the questions that we have, because we created an agenda, we've got some questions on here, which I haven't even looked at the agenda because our conversation has been so authentic and organic. But um, one of my questions that I really have thought a lot about because I heard someone comment recently and it made me start questioning my, um, my belief about this, but should we encourage or even expect teachers to try on a different lens to gain a leadership perspective? And then one of the other questions was who's responsible for bridging the gap. And I truly think like, yes, we need to have that expectation of allowing them to see the perspective of leadership, but that is also our responsibility to help them to see that. So the two go hand in hand. And I, so a couple of weeks ago, I did um, a session, a live session about vision casting and scripting critical moves that's part of transparency. So I think the, the more transparent we can be about what we see, what our role is as instructional leaders with teachers and what we come up against in our hardships, the more they're able to see from our perspective, the more empathetic they can be. And again, that trust cycle continues because I have to do the same for them. Correct. Okay, ladies. So much goodness have, has come from this conversation. I want to ask if you are here, drop in the comments what you felt like was most useful for you here today. And I want to hear from you guests that I have. Um, 
either why does it matter? Why does this conversation matter? What is the change that we want to see happen? Or what do you feel like was most useful for you as we talk together? I mean, I feel like we're all in the same business, right? We are here to impact children and the future. Like I'm at an elementary school level. So I see my lens is like, I'm trying to mold them to be good people, right? Yeah. And someone said that they're watching us. They're watching us. And if mm -hmm. we don't have the culture and the morale and the communication, the relationships amongst each other, they're going to learn negative, the negative behaviors. They're going to not see us fostering uh, a, a familial type um, school. And yeah. they need that because honestly, if, if we don't know what they're dealing with at home, right? So we're tasked with uh, impacting them academically, emotionally, that's a big one, emotionally. And we need to understand them, but they also need to see us mm -hmm. because we are possibly like the most that they see our teachers, their leaders. I remember being a kid and I had a principal, Miss James. I, if I could find Miss James to this day, I would be so happy. But I admired her. I looked at my principals and I was like, man, they're amazing. My principals were amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about Miss James' life. I don't know anything about Mr. Shadow's life, right? But they were amazing to me because at school, they made me feel like I was in a place where I was comfortable. I was safe, right? And yeah. it takes the adults in the building to do that. We, yeah. we have to be able to communicate with one another and uh, love on one another and understand one another so that we can impact these children. Because if we don't do that, then the, the, the scores aren't. I mean, we, like, come on, we're talking about test, test scores all the time, right? Yeah. That, that's the ultimate goal is to get them to learn, but they're going to learn better in an environment that we are showing that we care, that we love, that we love each other, that we're understanding, all of that stuff. And that, yes. you know, when we have those meetings with them, we're seeking to understand. We're being empathetic with the children. We're being empathetic with their families. We're being empathetic with one another. I did a, a, a relationship um, workshop where we were talking about empathy. Empathy is real. And if you mm -hmm. don't have that, you're not going to be able to be that understanding leader. You're not going to be able to understand the children or the adults. And yeah. it, you really have to. So I don't know yeah. what the question was. But you know, Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, for me, I think exactly as you're talking about, Joyce, that we are teaching with every single thing we do. There's nothing that's not teaching. Um, and so if we show students that we don't relate well, we can't solve problems together, we, we fight each other over petty things, um, we keep our distance rather than approach each other when there are challenges. Um, if that's what we're showing them, then that's what we're teaching them. So we won't be able to argue that they should do it any differently. So I think that that is a huge um, job mm -hmm. because it takes a lot out of our spirits as human beings to walk in every day working on ourselves. Yeah. Um, really, that's what leading is. It's working on yourself. It's saying, I'm the person who's going to work on being a better human being on behalf of all these other people so that I can lift them up. So if, if I'm not willing to do that as a leader, if the teacher is not willing to do that as a leader of students, 
then, then we're going nowhere with education um, mm -hmm. because education is not about books and we know that now. Uh -huh. Read all the books you want. That doesn't make you a good human. Uh, so hopefully through learning how to be together, learning that both of our jobs have great value in the lives of children will help us to work better together. It's uh -huh. an important conversation. Yes. Really, I think it's that reminder that we're all better together and it's not an us versus them mm -hmm. matter. Like it, it can't be, we're all better together and we need those voices. And does that mean that the voices are always going to be something rainbows and unicorns positive? No. I mean, post-pandemic schooling is hard yeah. and it's hard on every level. And I've seen it. It's like everyone has some level of angst about something that has happened as a result of that. And I think it's sort of being aware and of just listening to each other. Like, but also it can't be a, a complaining fest all the time, you know, like, okay, get it out. And then when it's out, we got to figure out what is the job we have to do and how can we work together to be just the most productive people that we can to help students. And um, I know that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing. You have to really be aware of yourself to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But I think those are the schools that when I walk through the doors, you can feel it the moment you enter that building because it's a healthy culture. The kids are happy. The adults are happy to be there. They call it a family, all of this, those things that we've talked about. And so that that's the environment that we want to create for students. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, Jules. Yeah. Um, thinking about why does it matter to bridge the gap? Um, the thing, the only thing that comes to mind is it matters because people matter. Students matter. Teachers matter. Administration matters. Parents matter. Like, like um, all of you have kind of said and touched on is like, yes, we wear these hats and yes, we have these roles, but we're people underneath. And so, yeah, people matter. So it matters to bridge that gap and make it a more cohesive and healthy learning environment for everyone involved. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about our day-to-day -day lives, guys, right? So let's bridge that gap. I've gotten so much goodness out of this conversation. And that's why I've changed the title to this as Change Catalyst Conversations, because we are making change happen. We're making big change happen. We're making small change happen. And I hope that audience, you can come again next week. I'm going to be talking about um, that PLC word, you know, and saying no to it. And so I want to dig into what that means with you. And if you want to go live with me when I talk about that, ooh, I would love it because there's nothing better than getting together with a group of other leaders who are like-minded. Like we've talked about, find your people. We can be your people. We would love to be your people. Okay. I hope you all have the most wonderful weekend and We'll catch you next time. I want to give a big thank you to you guys for tuning in. And I would love for you to do me two solid favors. Number one, if you've enjoyed this or any other shows, please hit subscribe. I've got a lot of great guests and content coming up, and I don't want you to miss any of it. Two, if you know of someone who may be interested in 
building cohesive, vision-driven teams that collaborate well. Share this show with them. And until next time, I want you to go off and have the great collaborative conversations that help you and the people you work with to completely unleash your impact. See you later.